Hi, this is Courtney Drake McDonough, the managing editor of RealFoodTraveler.com, back for another Real Food Traveler podcast. Today we're being joined by Tom Hill, who's the museum curator of the Hot Springs National Park in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We are going to be running a couple of articles about Hot Springs from a couple of different writers, and as I was reading their articles to include on RealFoodTraveler.com, I was so fascinated by the history of the place and how it's transformed itself. So I wanted to talk to Tom, who we hear is a wealth of information about the history of Hot Springs and what's going on these days. So Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. And please tell us a little bit more about you and what we can discover when we go to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Okay, well, my job title is actually Museum Curator. But side duties, because of that, I'm sort of by default, I'm the park historian and the park archivist, so I take care of the the park historic archives, take care of the museum collection. Uh, We have about 730,000 objects in the collection, most of which are archival, but about 70,000 three-dimensional objects. We operate a museum in one of the bathhouses, the Fort Ice Bathhouse, so I don't actually give tours of the museum, but I take care of the collection that's in storage and and monitor the portion of the collection that's on display. And then besides all that, I'm the Parks Section 106 coordinator. The the National Historic Preservation Act of 1966 has a a certain provision for caring for cultural resources, and I'm the coordinator for the park to make sure that whenever we're doing a, a project and maintenance that we're complying with the law. That, that's a lot to be responsible for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It happens that way in the Park Service. You end up wearing a lot of hats. Yes. Doing, okay. doing a lot of jobs. But, but they're all related, thankfully. It's not like I'm having to wash cars or something. Right. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us where Hot Springs is located. Where in Arkansas? Okay. Hot Springs National Park is in the city of Hot Springs, which is about 50 miles west-southwest of Little Rock, which the capital is in, right in just about the geographic center of the state. So we're west of that. Uh, We're not on an interstate, but we're north of Interstate 30 and south of Interstate 40, west of Little Rock. All right, gotcha. One confusing thing people might run into when they're looking at Hot Springs and the park, the official name of the city of Hot Springs is actually Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas. And the park is called Hot Springs National Park. So sometimes when you're here in town, it's kind of confusing. The city's name and the park's name are identical. All right. Thank you for clarifying that. So bathhouses, that's that's a big part of your history. Tell us about that. Well, the, the reason the bathing industry grew up here in Hot Springs is because, like our name implies, we have hot water coming out of the ground. And since about the late 1700s, Americans have been coming here, early 1800s, and getting into that water because the water at first was thought to be curative. They thought it was medicinal, that if you got in the water and you drank the water and you were, you know, took a regular regimen of baths, that you would be healed of whatever was wrong with you, certain physical ailments, even certain physical, uh, mental ailments could even be cured, they thought, by bathing in the water. So the bathing industry grew up here. People came here. Originally, they would just dig out a pool and let the water fill up the pool, and then they'd just sit in it there on the ground. But eventually, business owners came here and built facilities, either over the springs or using the spring water, and to offer amenities to people like bathrooms. 
time, there were probably, probably over the years have been more than 50 different bathhouses in town, maybe more than that. But when somebody comes to the park today and looks at Bathhouse Row on Central Avenue, there are eight bathhouses that still exist today. And those are just the final versions of houses that have evolved over time on each one of these uh, water leases or the lots that are along Central Avenue. Not all of the bathhouses that were in Hot Springs were on park property, but all of them, whether, wherever they were located in town, all used thermal water being pumped to them from the park. So African-American-owned bathhouses that were on one part of town, Jewish-owned bathhouse and hospital that was in another part of town, and larger hotels in town who had their own bathhouses were all using water from the park. Hmm. You mentioned that originally people thought it had healing properties, so at what mm-hmm. point did they decide maybe that wasn't so true? <laughs> well, if you go out to one of our public jug fountains today and just talk to people about while they're standing there filling up their water jugs, there are people who still believe that the water is curative. The uh, It never has been actually proven, but it, since the water is so clean and it tastes so good, most people still swear by it. They say that that's the reason they've lived so long or the reason they've lived so hopefully. Um, historically, though, people actually, it stopped becoming a medicinal trip to come here to Hot Springs and became more of a spa thing beginning at about the 1920s and 30s. The government never espoused that you were going to be healed if you came here. They just were saying that the water was provided for health reasons. So when you originally came here, you came under a doctor's prescription, though. So even the medical profession at the time was was thinking that the, the hot water coming out of the ground was, was healing things, too. Mm-hmm. But when the transition become started to become more of a great American health spa, a great American bathing spa rather than a health spa, that was in about the 1920s or 30s. So the heyday of bathing has been in the 20th century. The peak bathing year was 1947. There were a million baths given in town that year. Wow. All the water from the park. Wow. So for those of us like me who have never done something like this, what is the bathing experience like? I mean, what what do you wear? What happens? <laughs> you know, what what do you do there? Well, for one thing, I, I'm I'm going to tell you about it, but you can also come here and kind of see it for yourself. There are two bathhouses that are still open on Bathhouse Row. They're still on government property, but they're operated as concessions, and you can you can still take the traditional bath today in the Buckstaff Bathhouse or in the Quapaw Bathhouse. Or you can go to the Museum and Visitor Center in the Fordyce Bathhouse, and you can see what that building looked like and how it operated in 1915. You can't have a bath there, but they can tell you all about it. But basically the way it happened in history, the traditional bathing routine was you would come here for uh, normally three weeks was the full bathing regimen. And you would bathe in the mornings and then exercise on the mountainsides or walking in town in the afternoons. Uh, And then there was no lodging in the park itself or in the bathhouses, so the city was basically hotels and eateries. So you lived in town, bathed in the morning, exercised in the afternoons on the mountain trails. And then you did that for one to three weeks, although some people stayed for three or four months, depending upon what their ailments were. The routine was you would come into the building, 
you would check in at the clerk's desk at the front counter, and that's where you would leave your valuables with them, and they would put them in a lockbox behind the counter. And you would meet your bath attendant, and they would take you up to your dressing stall or your dressing room, whichever you rented, and that you would disrobe, leave all of your clothes there in your in that area, and they would provide you with a sheet to wrap your wrap yourself in. And then they would take you to the bath hall, and there you would be put in a tub that's they're porcelain or uh, marble or granite. You know, there are different kinds of tubs in different bathhouses, but basically it was a full immersion tub where the attendant would fill up the tub with water to where only your head was sticking out, and they would time according to what your doctor's prescription said. Say, like if it said, you know, 15 minutes at 105 degrees, they would get the water to the right temperature and have an alarm clock there to make sure you didn't stay in it too long. And then after the bath, they would uh, help you out of the tub and get you into the pack room, which was the next room over from the bath hall. And in the pack room, it was another set of bath attendants would lay you out on cooling tables and wrap the parts of you that had the ailment, whether it was sore knees or an arm that wouldn't work or whatever it was. Those would be wrapped in towels soaked in thermal water. So you would lay there in the pack room covered in hot towels with a sheet over you, and then your body would soak in all of that warmth. And the whole time you're drinking the thermal water too, not at the full temperature, but it's they had cooled thermal water to keep you from getting dehydrated and to keep you from getting too hot. So you were drinking the thermal water at the same time you were bathing or, or uh, in the pack room. After the pack room, you would come out of there and go to the cooling room because your, your body temperature is pretty elevated by that point, so they don't just turn you loose. You would faint. <laughs> so, and they also cool you back down before you might go someplace else in the building and have either electromassage or a physical massage with a professional masseuse, or you might go for some other sort of therapy like a vapor cabinet or a dry vapor cabinet. It was The vapor cabinet is basically a head-out head sauna. You sit in a big box with your head sticking out the top, and if it's a wet vapor cabinet, then there's hot, there's hot water being circulated through a thing that looks like a radiator, but it's basically making really hot, humid air inside the cabinet and you're still soaking that in even though you're not bathing. And the whole time the attendant is standing there watching you and, and drinking or allowing you to drink cold water or cooler water. If it's a dry sauna cabinet, then it's the same type of arrangement. It's just that the air inside is hot and dry because it's light bulbs instead of the, the thermal water going through a radiator. But then there's also things you could have like electromassage, which is if you were here and your legs didn't work for some reason, or maybe you're, you didn't have feeling in your in your feet or something like that, you might be put in a different kind of tub that ran a mild electrical current through it to stimulate the muscles in that part of your body that weren't working. And then you might also go to um, a physical therapist, basically. It was called a physical culturalist then, but anyway, that person could put you through a set of exercises or put you on certain machines that put you through a set of exercises to increase your range of motion if it was a motion problem or to, to build up your strength if it was a strength problem, like if you had uh, a nervous problem in your the muscles of your arm or something like that. So it, it could be a full day every day. Hmm. It, it just depended on what was wrong with you and what your doctor had sent you here for. So I have to ask, how was it okay to do the electrical current thing in water? 
Yeah, there was never anybody that was ever killed in any of the bathing processes. Let me say that first off. But there, you can run a mild current through the water and use it in the water, and it will. It feels like a tingling sensation, but it's not of sufficient current or amperage to electrocute you. Okay. It's not like they just stuck an electrode in the water. <laughs> there, there were electrodes in the water with you, but the, the current and the amperage were adjusted by this professionally trained person, so um, you wouldn't be electrocuted. It was just enough to make the muscles destimulated or the nerves destimulated, whatever it was you're being treated for. I see. The temperature, you mentioned 105 degrees. Is that the natural temperature of the water, or is it even hotter? No, the, the water comes out of the ground at an average temperature of about 143 degrees. Oh, wow. So it, it's, that's why we're called hot springs instead of warm springs, because <laughs> the, ground, the groundwater is coming up out of about 35 to 40 springs at an average of 143 degrees. Some of the springs are warmer, some of the springs are a little cooler. It just depends on how much of the groundwater component they're picking up right as they emerge from the surface. The water is not being heated by a volcanic process either. That's why there's no sulfur smell and there's no taste to the water. The reason the water is getting hot here is just because of the depth that it's coming up from within the earth. Due to the geothermal gradient, which is the deeper you go, the warmer it gets, mm -hmm. our water is coming up from about six to 8,000 feet down. Wow. And it's a water, the, the total water cycle takes about 4,400 years to complete. The, the water that is coming out of the ground today, in other words, in those, the springs, fell as rainfall 4,400 years ago when the pyramids were being built. Wow. So it takes, it, the water falls at a higher altitude east of the park and percolates down through the, the crushed stone. It's down to a sufficient depth to where it's heated to about 150 degrees. And then because of the water pressure in the water column, it's forced up along a fault that's right here along Central Avenue on the west face of Hot Springs Mountain. And it comes up in about 100 years. So it takes 4,300 years to sink and 100 years to come up. So it doesn't have a whole lot of time to cool off as it's coming back to the surface. Hmm. So it emerges a little bit cooler than it reached at the full depth, but it comes out at about 143, and then part of that goes into a hot water tank. There's three different holding reservoirs, and then part of it is pumped through some cooling fans, and then that's pumped into another reservoir that keeps that as the cooler water. So when you're in a bathtub and the bath attendant turns on the cold tap, it's not cold water from the city. It's cooled thermal water that's been air-cooled. Mm. So there's the hot side's coming out at 143, and the cold side's coming out at about 90. And so they can adjust the temperature to meet whatever the doctor was calling for. By law, it's illegal for the local city water to be mixed with the thermal water. The water, the thermal water is not treated in any way, and it's not mixed with anything. It's not reheated. It's, it comes to you straight from the ground. Hmm. That's really so That's, humbling to think of... What, what that water has been through and the time and the process and everything. It really yep. kind of enhances and the so whole thing. there's so much of it, too. There's about 700,000 gallons every 24 hours comes out of Hot Springs Mountain. It means mm -hmm. today we don't use all the water. I mean, the bathhouses are not, and there's not enough of them to use up all the water. So a lot of it just runs, overflows out of the, the three reservoirs and goes straight into Hot Springs Creek and goes 
south to the Washita River. Okay. But in the past, when they had you know hundreds of thousands of people bathing every day, they would run out of water, and they would have to let the reservoirs fill back up during the nighttime so the next day's bathing could continue. Well, that's interesting that it only took overnight. I, I thought maybe it would take years. No, the, the water is coming out of the springs. I mean, it's coming out of the ground as artesian wells. We're not having to pump it or drill it. It's just coming out of the ground naturally. Hmm. So, But at that flow rate, each of the springs has a different flow rate. But combined, it's about 700,000 gallons every 24 hours. So how did it happen that you went from having so many of these bathhouses to having fewer? How did things kind of transform? Well, after World War II, basically, with the advent of more modern medical technology and newer medicines, there began to be better ways that people could get treatment for whatever diseases and ills they had without having to travel any place to do it. So you could get medicines or physical treatments at your home because people were coming from all over the world to come to hot springs. So with the advent of more modern medicine, the bathing industry began to decline as a medicinal process. But there's a couple of bathhouses open today and one that never closed. All of the bathhouses hit on hard times, but one that opened in 1912 is still open today. The buck staff never has shut down. But the other seven on bathhouse row went out of business over time. The first was in 1962 when the Fordyce closed. And the reason it closed first is because it was the most expensive building to operate because it was the most opulent. They had invested a lot of money, the Fordyce family had invested a lot of money in making sure that their bathhouse was the finest in the world. But that also made it a very expensive place to operate because it had marble floors and marble bathtubs and uh, extra amenities like stained glass and tile walls and things that were hard to maintain. The last bathhouse of the ones that did shut down is the, the bathhouse that my office is in, the Lamar bathhouse, closed in 1985. And the government-free bathhouse, which was this off bathhouse row up Spring Street, there is another bathhouse that most visitors don't ever see. But it was a building that was the government operated for the indigent. So if you were a paying customer and could afford to use the bathhouses, in other words, you had any money at all, you would come to Bathhouse Row and pay to use whichever house you wanted to use. If you came to Hot Springs and you needed to take the baths for medical reasons, but you didn't have any money at all, the government provided free baths at its own bathhouse. And that building was originally on Bathhouse Row, but the one there was too small, so they built this building that's up Spring Street. And that building is still there, but it's no longer open. So it, it's it's there, and we're open. It's open for leasing, basically, but it hasn't been leased yet. Hmm. Okay. That's what's happened with most of the bathhouses on Bathhouse Row. Is they've shut down as bathhouses, but they've become something else. Like the Superior Bathhouse closed in 1983, but it reopened in I think it was 2012 or 2013 as a craft brewery. So it's now using the thermal water to make craft beer and craft root beer. Hmm. And it's also a restaurant. And the, the Ford Ice, like I said, is our museum and visitor center. It reopened in 1989. The uh, Quapaw Bathhouse closed as a bathhouse in 1985, but then reopened as a bathing company in 2008. So it's it's doing better business now than it has ever done. I mean, there's people usually a 
line of people out the front door for the Buck Staff and the Quapaw booth. Wow. And the Lamarck Bathhouse, where my office is located, is where the Parks Store is located. Eastern National is our park partner, and they operate a, a gift shop and bookstore in our in the lobby of the Lamar. And then my office and the Natural Resources People's Office and the Museum Collection Storage Area are in the Lamar. The Hale Bathhouse opened in 1892 and closed 1978. And now it is about to become a boutique hotel. It is, it's in the first stages of being remodeled where it'll have nine upscale hotel rooms, each with its own thermal spa. Hmm. And it will be operated as a, 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 a dining room, a boutique hotel, and a meeting space. So cool. all of the buildings on Bathhouse Row, except for one, the Murray's, are, have been repurposed uh, through adaptive reuse. The Murray's and the Government Free Bathhouse are both available for leasing, but there's no contract yet right now on those. So okay. we're hopeful that they'll have somebody on pretty soon. Yeah. Was there a period in, in the transition where the economy wasn't very good there in Hot Springs? Well, the city's always survived. I mean, tourism has always been a big thing here, not just because of the bathhouses, but because of, uh, over time, there's been three recreational lakes built around here. It's called the Tri-Lakes area or the Diamond Lakes region. Lake Catherine, Lake Hamilton, and Lake Washita, two were built for um, the Arkansas Power and Light Company, and then one was a Corps of Engineers lake that also is an electrical generation station, too. But because they're so big, they're used for a lot of boating and fishing activities. They're, they're, you can even come to town and take a duck tour to where you get on an amphibious vehicle that drives around in town and tells you about the city history and then goes out into the water in the lake and motors around for a while and Fun. tells you about what's going on in the lake. So it's all about water here in Hot Springs, either hot water or cold water. Even in the park, we have other springs besides the hot springs. We have two cold springs. Uh, Happy Hollow Spring and Whittington Spring are cold water coming out of the ground. So they're much shallower water sources than the thermal springs because they're not coming up from down where the water is getting really hot. But there are people that prefer the cold spring water taste instead of the hot spring water. Mm-hmm. So you go to any one of the jug fountains in the park and they're going to be busy. Yeah, well. <laughs> How has Hot Springs transformed then over time? How is it different today than it was back when bathhouses were the main draw? Well, primarily today, Hot Springs is is still a city of visitors like it always has been, people from elsewhere. The city itself has a population of about 35,000, but on a summer day it feels like there's 2 million on Central Avenue downtown. Hmm. It can be pretty busy. But uh, primarily as a tourism town, we have the lakes, we have the, the National Park, of course, but then there's also uh, a, a thriving art community here in town where there's a lot of artists that have local studios, and they, they I think it's the first Friday of every month. The city has a, a gallery walk where all the galleries stay open in the evening, and you walk around and look at art in all the different buildings. There's also the Mid-America Science Museum is here just west of town, out near National Park College. And it is a, a science and children's activity museum that's pretty large size for such a small town. And then besides that, there are the Star Wars Museum is here in town, the Gangster Museum is here in town, Tussauds Wax Museum is here in town. The reason there's a Gangster Museum is because Hot Springs used to have a lot of casinos 
gambling never was legal in Arkansas, but there were casinos that were allowed to operate here. And Hot Springs was a pretty wide open town. It was it was like Las Vegas before there ever was a, a place called Las Vegas. So people would come here, gangsters would come from other cities, and it was sort of neutral territory. So they would uh, come here and spend their time here in town and recreate in all different ways. There are a lot of golf courses here in town, a really nice country club. There's also a horse racing track here. Oakland Jockey Club has been here since 1904. There used to be two horse racing tracks. Now there's one. And every, I think it's January through April, there's a, a live horse race uh, meet where there's like six races a day. But then the rest of the year, it's uh, a games of chance type establishment. They don't really call it a casino. But anyway, there's a, a casino here in town with restaurants and everything. And you can watch horse racing simulcast from all over the rest of the country, even when there's not live racing going on here. So besides the national park and all it has to offer, the city has lots of things. And it's never really, I mean, one thing dies out and another comes along. Like when, when gambling was outlawed and the casinos all went away, that's when the artists started moving here. So we can switched over to becoming an artist colony instead of a, a gambling mecca, mm -hmm. although the horse racing track is still here. But through it all, on the federal side of the street, the bathhouses have, have been here right through it all, hmm. giving people baths and uh, preserving a, a, a slice of history from the past. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you explained about the Gangster Museum because you, you know I was going to have to ask about that. I couldn't let that go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the Arlington Hotel and the uh, Tussauds Wax Museum and the Gangster Museum, they tell more about that story of the city, you know, what happens on that side of the street than what we do on the federal side. But yeah, gangsters came here a lot, and there was it was a pretty wide open town mm -hmm. for, for a lot of years yeah. until about the, the late 1960s, and that's when the switchover began to take place from a gambling haven to an artist's mecca. And you touched on um, your museum a little bit, but what else will people discover when they come there and see you? Well, besides coming to the Fordyce Visitor Center, we give uh, several tours a day of the building there for guided tours, or you can do self-guided. There's also, even though the, the thermal water system is enclosed to protect the water and to keep it hot as it's coming out of the ground, there are a couple of places where you can see the water and see what it must have looked like, you know, thousands of years ago when the water was just coming down the hillside and flowing into the creek. On Arlington Lawn, there's a thermal cascade there with pools where you can touch the water. And then behind the Maurice bathhouse, there are display springs there that it's sort of a, a naturalistic grotto to where you can touch the water there and see, interact with the water. There are no places where you can do outdoor bathing, like some places in Yellowstone and other places out west where there are thermal springs that you can just hike to and get in out in nature. Towers are all uh, just interact with them by touching them. If you want to actually bathe in the water, then you have to go to a bathhouse, either on our property or at one of the hotels in the area. But besides that, we have several miles, I think it's like 20, 25 miles of hiking trails in the park. Up until this past February, we were the smallest of the 59 national parks with 5,500 acres. But as of the end of February, there is a national park, the 60th one, that's smaller than us. So I can say we're now the, the second smallest <laughs> of the 60 national parks in the country. It, we're, our total acreage is 5,500 
campground called Gulf of Gorge Campground that has, uh, I think there's 45 camping slots that are in a gorge that's east of Hot Springs Mountain, between Hot Springs Mountain and Indian Mountain. It's a nice shady spot with a picnic area. There's also an observation tower on at the summit of Hot Springs Mountain that's like 260 feet high, so you can ride up the observation tower on an elevator or on the stairs, whichever way you want to go. And from there, you're up even higher than the summit of the mountain, so you can see all the way over into Oklahoma. It's supposed to be like a 100-mile viewing distance, depending upon what the weather is like. That's amazing. There's also lots of shopping to do in Hot Springs. There are boutique shops in the old buildings across the street. The buildings that used to be the hotels and the eateries that would serve patrons to the bathhouses, today they're uh, shopping, different kinds of shopping destinations. There's a earthbound store and there's a candy shop and there's a chocolate shop and Fat Bottom Girls Cupcake, which is a, an excellent cupcake shop. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all sorts of things to do in town. And you can also go spend time out on the lakes, or there's state parks all around, like Lake, Lake Washita State Park, Lake Catherine State Park, um, over in Little Rock, the Territorial Restoration and the Arkansas History Museum, are, and the state capitol are open for tours. There's lots to do in central Arkansas. Sounds like it. Well, Arkansas is very lucky to have you. You're you're a wealth of information and really interesting <laughs> thank you, thank you. information. So with that, we'll we'll close and I'll encourage our listeners and our readers to go visit you in particular, Tom Hill at the Hot Springs National Park Museum. I look forward to seeing them when they get here. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, sounds like Hot Springs, Arkansas is a great place and and be sure to, to read realfoodtraveler.com because we'll have some interesting articles about it. But it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and I appreciate your time today. It's a pleasure to visit with you, too. Thanks for calling me. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.